Hello and welcome back to In Bed with Lucy Season 3, the raw and uncensored place where we are free to discuss the nitty gritties of the adult industry. Now I just need to quickly run through my disclaimer. Everything I discuss is of my own opinion and it does not reflect on the community at large as everyone experiences sex work differently. This podcast is rated R18+ and may contain explicit language and make references to sexual assault, drug and alcohol, self-harm, domestic violence, and other triggers not limited to the previous mentioned. If this doesn't fit, then please kindly stop now. For the rest, your exits are here, here, and here, so make sure to keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times, and let's put this baby in D for drag and let's go. As the handsome and lovely Brett Rockman would say, Good motherfucking morning, bitch! The fuck? Actually, by default, it should be good motherfucking evening. But he says good motherfucking morning every time because he always starts his day off saying hello to his followers. So my podcast is released at night, so I should have said good evening. So good evening, bitch! The fuck? <laughs> anyway, today is going to be a Q&A. It has taken me some time to get my questions from you listeners out there and some of my followers on my social media, but I have finally gathered enough questions today to be able to make an episode. Yoohoo! Yay! Let's have a party! All right, so let's start off with what is Q&A. It is questions and answers. You listeners have always got an open invitation to send me questions. However, I may not answer them immediately, but I will file them. Oops, I forgot to turn off my phone. One moment. But I will file them and record them in these Q&As. And I will generally put one Q&A in every season. So yeah, hit me up, guys. Okay, so let's start with one of the uh, most frequently asked questions. And probably one of the first questions that I am genuinely asked by a lot of people that actually know me. So this may not necessarily come from strangers. Sometimes it does come from strangers, but generally it is people that have known me in my past life. And my first question would always be, is being a sex worker or doing sex work what you thought it would be? So that is actually a very fucking good question. You know, is being a sex worker and is doing sex work even what I imagined. Well, to tell you the truth, because of my upbringing regarding sex work, I didn't have any real harsh preconceived thoughts of sex workers or what sex work consists of. So considering the the situation that I was actually in, I found it that it was easier for me to have absolutely no expectations of the industry. Just all I knew was that I was doing something that I was enjoying. You know, I really do enjoy sex. You know, I really do enjoy communicating and connecting with a multitude of people. So why not make that a career? Uh, A lot of people have had Hollywood stereotypes distilled within their image of sex work. So a lot of people have these preconceived thoughts that if you are a sex worker, that you must live on the edge of life. You must be a drug user. You must have been sexually abused. You must have been, you know, haven't got a good relationship with your parents, family. Um, You don't have good relationships with friends. Um, You don't like, it's obviously a very, uh, uh, I guess, dishonorable job. I guess a lot of people would think that. But to tell you the truth, 
sex work is probably above and beyond what I actually even had imagined for it. I understand that a lot of people can have these really harsh stereotypes of what sex work is actually about. But, you know, if I was to answer the question, is sex work what I thought it was going to be? Well, no, it's actually better. It's a, it's a lot better than what I originally, I guess, thought sex work would be for me and the benefits that it would actually give to my life. However, I do want to make a note. It's not like it's, it's always great. Because one thing that I do want to make a point of is that sex work was not exactly as glamorous or as luxurious as I originally thought. Because I guess that to me, um, I don't know, maybe it's just me, like certain things that I don't want to happen in front of other people I find um, are a little bit embarrassing, like whether it be that I, I, I don't know, farted or queefed or um, I don't know, my face looked weird because it was covered in sweat and all this kind of stuff. So is it as glamorous as I thought sex work would be? Absolutely fucking not. Have you ever douched on top of a toilet? 15 minutes before our clients getting here for an unexpected, you know, booking. Like, have you ever, I guess, treated your body more so, uh, I guess, because you've got to care for the tool that you're using at work. I'm not calling myself a tool, but I'm saying my body and my mind needs to be maintained in an unglamorous manner. Meaning I have to care for myself, clean myself, ensure that, you know, I guess things of my own personal hygiene are cared for. I may have to sometimes do some tasks in some unsavory places that may make me feel, I guess just the way that I feel, feels not as glamorous as I thought it was. Like, for example, I know I've talked about, you know, having your period when you work and, you know, having to go to the bathroom and deal with that before you go to a booking and then when you leave a booking having to deal with that you know it's not as fucking glamorous as I originally thought sex work would be so that was a big shock to me because I guess for other people they'll think oh yeah nah it's not a very glamorous job it actually is a glamorous job but I'm just saying there are certain aspects of the job that are completely out of what I thought it would be and I kind of feel very unglamorous I guess performing some certain tasks of my job in order to I guess, execute my job. But yeah, no, it's definitely not as glamorous as I originally thought it was, but it is definitely better than what I, I guess I expected. So this was a question sent in by, it was actually sent in by one of my listeners, but this is also a question that I get asked by immediate family and friends. I feel like it's one of those questions that they're just worried about my future, even though they don't realize the malicious, I guess, undertone in what they're saying. So this question is, you can't do this forever, exclamation mark. What's your exit plan? Like, I can understand why my friends and family and people around me would ask those questions. But I do want to address the fact that asking something along those lines is actually really horophobic. So if you were to, I guess, spend time to become a lawyer and you became a lawyer, would you find it offensive if within your first year of your industry, everyone was talking to you about, well, you can't do this forever. What's your exit plan? You know, would you find offensive that you've spent 10 to 15 years to 20 years qualifying yourself as a lawyer, even possibly getting PhDs, whatever the fuck it is that you get. But, you know, I'm just saying, can you imagine after all the effort that you've put in to create a structured career for yourself? Can you imagine people that are supposedly loving you and caring about you are saying, oh, well, you can't do this forever. What's your exit plan? 
You know, like that's just so horophobic in its own. And I get really offended when people ask this because, yes, absolutely, I can do this job forever. And you know what? What if I don't have an exit plan? Does that make me unmotivated? Does that make me like a not good, not a good businesswoman because I'm not looking at my exit plan and that I'm looking at actually cherishing and loving the company that I've created from my heart and soul? I don't understand where you're going with this. But people say that you can't do sex work forever, that we have an expiry date. Who said? Who said we had an expiry date? Are you everybody? Like, is your opinion everything? I'm just curious to know how you, uh, I guess, uh, see yourself in society. Is it your way of thinking and then no other way of thinking? So, like, for example, if you're working in hospitality, we could argue that that's not a sustainable career. Even though I was in hospitality for many years and I excelled it in, in uni, TAFE, education, I always upped my game. You know, you're in hospitality. What's your exit plan? You can't do this forever, can you? You're going to be running around waiting tables your whole life. Like, isn't that make you feel shit? That's exactly the same as what you're saying when you say, well, you can't do sex work forever. What's your exit plan? You know, it's just none of, none of that sentence even seems right. You know what I mean? Uh, so if I was, you know, what is my plan for the career, uh, my career and what's my exit plan? I actually don't have an exit plan. I actually thoroughly enjoy my industry. I thoroughly enjoy everything that I do. If I didn't want to do it, I would stop doing it. You know what I mean? Like any other job, you know, even if I was educated as a lawyer and say 10, 20 years later, I decided that that job wasn't for me. Absolutely. I'll drop that too, even though I dedicated a lot of my time and effort into be able to get the education. But in the end of the day, if my passion and my love is not in that job, I'm not going to do well. No one really thrives in, I guess, a toxic environment. You know what I mean? You need to be able to be happy with what it is that you, that you do. Because I have been in jobs before where I've been extremely unhappy with what I've done. I was a child entertainer for a very long time. And I tell you what, the amount of times I went to work crying, wanting to turn my car around and leave. And the whole time I was working there, I was thinking up an exit strategy. So yeah, so while I was a kid entertainer, absolutely I can't do that job forever. That job's fucking hard. Have you ever tried to wrangle 5,000 children, all screaming your name, wanting to talk to you all at once, wanting to play with you, doing everything that it is that they can't do and like that they're not supposed to do and you're supposed to control that? Yeah, every fucking day that I went to work, I prayed to God that it would give me a fucking opportunity to get out of there. Dead set. It was one of the most toxic jobs I have ever, ever, ever had. I've had a lot of toxic jobs with a lot of toxic owners, with a lot of toxic managers. And I tell you what, that job was so disgusting that I, I honestly, you know what? Sex work is a fucking walk in the park compared to working with shit managers and working in a shit job where all you're thinking about the whole time that you're there is how the fuck you're going to get out and survive. You know what I'm saying? You feel me? So no, I, absolutely, I can do this job forever. And no, I don't have an exit plan. So my next question was actually sent in multiple times uh, by listeners as well as people on my social media. 
and it was how has COVID affected you and what did you do during the lockdowns? Now, that is actually a really, really good question. So how COVID affected me, obviously, is like any other business, uh, we all got shut down. We all got locked down. We all uh, basically had to um, comply with the government health advice. So how COVID affected me was, okay, so this was my actual situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, so this, is, this, was, this is exactly what I was doing. I was in the middle of a of a full leg tour of Australia. So generally, um, twice a year, I will start, I don't know, Brisbane and then work my way completely around Australia and then come back to Wollongong. Sometimes I'll go to a location, come back to Wollongong, go to another location, go back to Wollongong. Like it all depends on how I did it. But um, in 2019, in December, I had actually commenced my first leg tour of Australia. So I started um, December, I don't even know, I can't even fucking remember what location I was at. I, I, I kind of want to... Uh, I, 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 look, I'm just going to be fucking guessing. Unless I'm looking at my books, I don't know exactly where the fuck I was in Australia at that point in time. But anyway, on March 19, I was actually um, in Melbourne at the time. I was actually doing a tour in Melbourne and I had plans to actually extend my tour overseas. So um, because my tours were so successful in Australia, I was like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Let's take this, this shit international. So I'd started making arrangements in order to be able to, to start um, expanding overseas, possibly Singapore. Anyway, on the 19th of March, I had received notification um, from a client of mine saying that the airports were going to be shut down um, the next day. So uh, I based, oh, was it the 18th of March that I found that out? It was like the 17th or the 18th, like the 16th, 17th and 18th of March that I was cautioned by um, like uh, one of my big long-term regs that I would kind of call like, I don't know, like my friend and lover in a way. Like I have lots of clients that are very close to me and they take it into their initiative to protect me. So anyway, my client actually, I was in contact um, with them quite regularly when I was in Melbourne and we had actually discussed that there was a probability that I may had been um, stuck in Melbourne. So I actually contacted another client of mine while I was in Melbourne. He's actually an interstate truck driver. So I was concerned that I was going to get stranded in Melbourne and that I would have no way of leaving. So my client um, that was helping me, not the truck driver, the other client that I was basically communicating with um, during my whole tour, um, was step-by-step step with me um, in order to be able to get a plane ride, to be able to catch the plane the next day. So I was originally going to extend my tour because it was doing so well, but, you know, I was like, fuck this, I'm going to get stuck in Melbourne. So I had one of my clients on the side that was on the phone to me, helping me every step of the way, and then I contacted the truck driver client, and he said that he would actually drive to Melbourne <clears throat> pardon me, uh, he would actually drive to Melbourne to come pick me up and then drive me back up to home, to Wollongong. So on the 19th, um, I'd made my way to the airport and the taxi driver, well, my driver that I'd actually booked prior to landing in Melbourne told me, shit is hitting the fan. You need to get to the fucking airport, like right fucking now and get on whatever plane you can get. They are cancelling planes and flights left, right and centre. 
So when I actually arrived to the airport, I had noticed that they actually had cancelled my flight and I had noticed that they were cancelling flights at a rapid rate. I had actually then decided I had to tell, you know, so I needed to get home. So I'm, I'm at the airport. I'm freaking to one of my clients. That's a truck driver. He's already making plans to come down to Melbourne to pick me up. I've got my other client on the phone that's like, look, we'll get your plane ticket home. Don't worry. Um, so I went to the airport. They basically canceled all my flights and I just look, I'll, I'll be honest. I have, um, ADHD. I have anxiety. I have OCD and I have medication that I need for that. And to be honest, I didn't realize that I didn't have a, I didn't go and get my script. So I had my script on me, but I literally only had medication for that day. So it wasn't like I was trying to push myself in line or anything, but I just honestly said, I said, ma'am, I honestly have only enough medication for today. Like unless I can get to a chemist or unless I can go like get home, I've got more medication there, but I really need to get home. So I was put on a flight uh, with a lot of older people. They had already put masks on. So this is in um, March to uh, 2020. So masks they were trying to say weren't, um, very beneficial to us, but you know, it is what it is. So I ended up getting on that plane. I spoke to a lovely couple on the way back, but I made sure that my mask was covered. I didn't touch them. I didn't, you know, do anything. And, um, I managed to get home and I was locked down and how it affected me was obviously it shut my business down. What the fuck am I going to do? What do you do? You just do what the government tells you to do. Otherwise you will be arrested and you'll be fucked. So how COVID affected me um, when it occurred, I just told you the story, how it, it ongoingly um, affects me is still an ongoing thing. It, it's COVID is still rearing its head like a fucking X that you, you just like, like a fucking hemorrhoid, like a fucking STD. You can't shake. You know what I'm saying? Like fuck off. So yeah, at the moment, COVID is still affecting my business and it will until I guess things start to change. My next question is how many clients do you see in a day? Well, that's a pretty horophobic fucking question to ask me anyway. So how many clients do I see in a day? How long is a piece of string? You know, personally, I do have limits on the amount of people that I see. That's just basically for me because I like to give 100% of myself to my clients. So I don't want to accept a booking if I'm exhausted, unwell, not feeling it. It's Look, in the end of the day, I want to make sure that I'm giving my clients exactly what it is that I want to give them. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. How many clients do I see in a day? How long is the piece of string? You know, everyone's different. So there's no real number to that. And I don't, you know, one day it could be absolutely nothing. The next day it could be a client basically every hour. So whatever, I don't have any numbers to give you there. Have you ever gotten an STI from a client? Well, no, because I use condoms, I use dams, I use so many different, like different types of precautionary measures to ensure that that doesn't occur. Um, that is actually a hugely horophobic um, question to ask that you would get an STI from work because in the end of the day, that's just you thinking the worst of a person and not automatically assuming that protections protection and condoms and things like that would be used. That's an immediate horophobic comment. So my next question, I have been asked so many times from random people and also people that I know is how do I stop myself from falling for my clients? Well, I've pretty much addressed this in a few of my other episodes. So I feel like maybe these people haven't, you know, heard that episode or anything, but could you just imagine me falling in love with every single client? 
and I wouldn't have a viable business. That's basically what I said before, you know. Put things in perspective, people. Like, say you serve food. Say your food's so awesome. Okay, say it's it's the best. How do you stop someone from liking that? Like, they can like it as much as they want, but in the end of the day, you're still making that sandwich because you have to. You know what I'm saying? It's a job. You know what I mean? So how do you stop yourself falling for all your clients that like your stuff? (laughs) I could ask you the same question, but maybe it doesn't happen to you. Maybe people aren't, maybe you're not falling for people or maybe people aren't falling for you. So therefore you feel like, I don't know, maybe that's like a question you wanted to ask, but how do I stop myself from falling for clients? Well, firstly, I don't have that type of emotion set in my head. I have boundaries in my own mind of an emotional extent that I'm willing to go with someone. So I've never had an emotion where I fell for a client. I've never had a situation where I've felt anything um, uh, other than work towards a client. I have never even been in that boat. So I can't even answer the question because I haven't even been exposed to falling for a client. There's just absolutely genuinely not one single client that I've fallen in love with because I don't fall in love like that. I'm not 12. The next question that I got emailed to me was the, what is the hardest and easiest part of sex work? Well, now that's actually a very, very, very fucking good question. The hardest part of sex work I find is the booking process. A lot of people just try to make it really fucking difficult. They really just want to have a free conversation with you. They just want to consume your time. People are just shit. You know what I mean? Like in general, having to deal with the community can be one of the most hardest fucking like part of anyone's job. You know what I'm saying? Like if you have to deal with motherfuckers that literally think that they're they're the first person to walk in the door and give you the most lame bullshit bastardry excuse, you know, that is definitely the hardest part of my job. What's the easiest part of my job? The actual job. The actual like time that I have with my clients, I find it real fucking easy. I find that as soon as you walk in the door, that's the easiest fucking part of my job. Dead set. I'm not, I I shit you not, the sex is the easiest part and getting to know you is the easiest part because I enjoy it. The hardest part is when you act like a fucking two-year-old, fighting the process like you don't want to fall asleep because you fucking don't want to miss out on anything. You know what I'm saying? That's the hardest part of my job. When people are shit cunts, what's the easiest part of my job? The actual job. (laughs) Lol. So my next question, I was asked by, I feel like it was like my dog walker and a few other girls. And I find that um, like a lot of women always ask this question. And it's probably like one of the first questions that people will ask me when I'm a sex worker is, how do you work on your period? Well, There are multiple ways that you can work on your period. I will go through my checklist of how I work on my period. So first things first, um, it all depends on the flow of the period on how I'm actually going to address it. So for example, say it's like one of the first one or two days and it's really, really, really heavy. What I will actually do is I actually have a black linen. I will use all black linen on my bed. Um, for that particular time, just in case there is an accident. I will even also use either red or black condoms. Um, The reason for that is that if there is any blood that does come, you know, you can't see it. It's red and it's black and the sheets are black and we're generally good to go. So there are two ways in which that you can um, 
I guess, plug your vagina for, so you can use it for sex. So um, what I would first recommend is going to the hospital and getting sponges. They are sterile sponges. Um, they're, they, they almost look like, so the size of like a 50 cent piece, but really like a cylinder. And uh, what you do is you wet them under warm water and then you basically push that sponge as far into your vagina as possible and you push 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 it all the way in even grab a dildo and even kind of push it in and I would sometimes depending on the flow of my period I could use two sponges because it's kind of like um I don't know if you've explored yourself enough but there's kind of like two canals that kind of like which side you bleed from so I find that I put sponges on both sides of my um in my inside myself and if it's really really heavy I will actually have to excuse myself every half an hour because it's that heavy just to go to the bathroom rinse out the sponges and then put them back in again and generally how I actually put them in is I'll actually grab lubricant and I'll slather that on my cunt and then I will try and shove the sponge in as deep it will actually go um, to make sure that yeah, so I don't actually put lube on the, the sponge. I just put it on my actual cunt just to like, so it's not dry and stuff like that. Um, once I've actually put that in myself, uh, I'll kind of like move around and make sure that like <laughs> they're comfortable because sometimes you can feel them if you haven't put them in right. Um, and then, yeah, just keep, uh, generally I will wear those sponges the whole day and I'll just keep on rinsing them out in between sessions and in between clients. Like when I'm in the shower, take it out, rinse it and do all that. Um, if you don't have sponges, I have heard of other girls, um, just using like, I think a sea sponge, I think it was, but I do not recommend using sea sponges as they can rip apart and they can tear inside of you and they can cause um, toxic shock syndrome. So you really don't want to go down that angle, but I guess worst case scenario, I guess you got to do what you got to do. I have heard of other girls that have removed the string from a tampon and then just used that. Um, it is a little bit more uncomfortable, I guess, for a larger penis. Um, but yeah, generally you can cut the strings off a tampon and just put that in as far as possible. Like get that motherfucker in there. Um, how to get them out. Generally what I would do, um, mine uh, just come out. Like I just generally like squat, like I'm trying to get it out and I shove my finger in and I hook my finger um like in on the side of the sponge and then I kind of like bend my finger down and drag the sponge down if I find that it's too high up I will just get like a douche and I'll fill it up with a lot of water and douche myself so it swells the sponge to the point where it'll just fall out by itself because it's so have you ever had like an over full tampon so much that it literally just slides out it's the same kind of concept so it literally will just slide straight out um when you've I guess drenched it with water so that is how you work on your period. Do I feel guilty about my job? Now I get asked this question majority by wives and friends of mine that have got partners and commitments and things like that or in a committed relationship. Okay, do I feel guilty about my job? No. Do you think lawyers feel guilty taking, you know, a husband and a wife and kids into a court system, dragging them through the court system so they get all your money and you're left with nothing? Do you think they feel guilty about it? Do you think when you're earning money, when you are providing a legal service and a company, this is your company, why would you feel guilty about my job? Now, I'm not doing anything wrong. 
Okay, let's remove the money from the scenario and let's just talk about your, your partner cheating on you. Whose actual fault is it? It's your partner's fault. He was the one in the relationship, sister. You, ladies, 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 men, ladies, everyone, listen to me, everyone, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. When your partner cheats on you, it's actually not the other person's fault. How do you know they even knew? I'm pretty sure your partner knew they were in a relationship. I'm pretty sure your husband and wife knew they were married to you. Why would I feel guilty about that? I did nothing wrong. But you do have something to take up with your man. Or maybe you have something to take up with yourself. Because why are they seeing me? Why are they seeking sexual gratification elsewhere? It's not like I'm palming, passing blame on you, generally. But... If you really want to look into something and say, do you feel guilty about fucking married men? No, but do you feel guilty about not sucking your husband's cock and that he has to go to a fucking sex worker to get that? Do you not feel guilty about that? Do you not feel guilty being like, what? Everyone's got their fucking arguments, okay? So in the end of the day, I wouldn't have a position in, in or a company if there wasn't a fucking demand for it. So no, absolutely not. I do not feel guilty, even if, um, someone I knew's husband came to me, I absolutely wouldn't even decline him. At first, I probably would uh, at the beginning of my career, but now, no. And in fact, you have my absolute and complete 100% privacy and you have 100% guarantee that um, they will never find out about it because this is my job. This is my job and I do not feel guilty about it for one fucking second. And my final question, which I have left till the end, and the reason that I have left it to the end is because it's one of my favorite topics. And I actually get excited when people kind of say this. I love when people say to me, what does your dad think about your job? Well, what do your parents think about you? Like, what's my, what's everyone's obsession when you're a sex worker with my father? Like, is there something you want to talk about? You got some daddy issues that you need to let off your chest? What, you got some fucking problems with your own family at home that you feel like everyone else has to have problems in their life with their family? You know, like, how fucking sick in the head do you have to be to first think of my father, me being a sex worker? Like, really, humans are actually inheritedly pretty fucking sick in the head. They like to see people in pain, suffering, torture. They like to even encourage that type of behavior. For example, anyone that's got fucking TikTok will know about that clairvoyant girl that's getting so smacked out on fucking heroin and people are fucking sending her fucking money to watch her OD on live like it's a fucking game. So I'm going to bring back to what does my father think of my job? He loves my job. He thinks it's great that I've actually got the confidence and the fucking ball and the fucking tits, I should say, and the cunt to be able to do the work that I do. He's fucking proud of his daughter. He's proud that his daughter has created a successful company and has also created sister companies from that and became a successful, strong, confident, and empowered woman that takes humanity on board that cares and is compassionate towards others. He is so fucking proud, honey. Mate, when I told him about me being a sex worker, all he said was, give me a hug, baby girl. I just want you to know that I love you no matter what it is that you decide to do. I have raised you right. And I have trust in you to do the right thing. 
does that hurt you to know that my father was accepting of my job? Does it hurt you to know that not everyone's like your family or like the way you portray the world? Does it hurt to know that there are parents out there that actually have unlimited compassion for their kids? You know what I'm saying? So maybe just take a moment to think to yourself when you ask a sex worker what their father thinks of their job or whether they're respected within their community, you really need to start looking in the motherfucking mirror and looking at what your intentions are. Because clearly you're not a very fucking rational person and you're not even a fucking reasonable person and you're not even in any slightly way being humanitarian you're a fucking piece of shit you know in the end of the day you want to bring family into it well then you know i've had an ex-boyfriend that's contacted my mother to let her know about my job that's the type of disgraceful humans we have walking these planets that think they're better than other people because they work for 22 dollars an hour for the fucking some other company that's exploiting you well congratulations Fucking well done to you. A round of fucking applause. So anyway, what does my father think of my job? He loves me, regardless. What do my family think of my job? They love me, regardless. I'm a good person and I do good things for, you know, my people. Oh, there is one more thing that I did kind of want to bring up as well, was how everyone keeps assuming, like, when they say, oh, look, when I'm a, like, when I say I'm a sex worker, basically people turn around and go, oh, be careful. Well, fuck. Why didn't anyone tell me to be careful when I was working till three in the morning at a fucking derelict pub where people were fucking getting samurai swords and fucking slashing girls up, raping them, murdering them? Why was no one asking about my welfare then? Why, why was no one giving a fuck about my welfare when I was catching a train early in the morning to get to work on a train that actually was on the news? There was women raped every single weekend at this train station. No one fucking gave a shit about me then. You give a shit about me now. Oh, your job's so dangerous. Be careful. Go fuck yourself. No one gave a fuck about me when I was exposed to fucking, like, like I was in a lion's den, prey, three in the morning, going to fuck, I had to go to work, going to a known train station where there was a rape every single weekend by gangs. Yeah. Thanks for giving a fuck about me then. And thanks for giving a fuck about me now. <laughs> so anyway, that was q and I hope you had a great time. Looking forward to chatting to you all next week. And I hope you had a great time with me today. And on that note, I shall bid you all farewell. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed your stay and I look forward to speaking with you all again soon. Don't forget to follow my Facebook page, In Bed With Lucy. And I also have an Instagram and my handle is I love Lucy Wollongong, one word. I also have a Twitter account, Lucy Price AUS, one word. Until then, stay safe, be true to yourself and always be kind to others.